baby buffalo are born with the wings <laughs> and they fall off, you know, like really early on. And so they just take the wings. <laughs> she oh was my. like, wow. <laughs> Hey, Amy, how are you? I'm good. How was your food fortnight? My food fortnight was very interesting. Oh. Yes. We're repeating ourselves now. We're at that time of year where we're starting to get more guests over, and everybody wants that great roast pork butt that we do right. from the website. So now I've made it for the third time. This one was a nine-pound roast pork butt. Wow. Now, this one took almost 12 hours in the oven to do. But it was incredible, as they have been in the past. But the real thing that is fun is I made a blueberry pudding cake from Gourmet Magazine. Now, this is Gourmet, of course, of many years ago, because Gourmet has been defunct for quite a long time. But, you know, rest in peace. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Another gesture has been made. (laughs) And so... Alan is the one who's made this for years and years and years. And we discovered this in Maine in a tiny little pamphlet that we picked up at a store. And huh. it's that blueberry pudding cake. And I used Wyman's blueberries. Now, we're mm-hmm. not being sponsored by Wyman, but I had them in the freezer. So I thought I would use them. And it was great. It's a very simple pudding cake, very traditional. But here's the thing. I had a little extra left over. So I thought I'd make this compote with ginger and a little bit of salt, a little bit of uh, lemon zest and some cinnamon. Uh-huh. So I'm putting it all together. And then I taste it and I thought, this tastes very different. What is going on? And I looked in the counter and instead of cinnamon, I had grabbed the cumin. Oh my God. I, gra- oh. I, gra- I grabbed cumin. Oh. And so <laughs> I-, I had to recalculate in my head, okay, this is ginger and cumin and lemon. And then when I recalculated in my head, it actually tasted good. Oh, really? Yes. And then I I said, I told all my guests, I said, this was a mistake. You don't have to use it. And everybody thought it was fantastic. So there's a little kind of happy accident of not using cinnamon, but using cumin. I never would have guessed that cumin and blueberries and ginger would be good together because you know how cumin so often goes to that like funky yeah. undertone? Yeah. That's really interesting. But it works, so try it. So what about you? How was your food fortnight? Well, I finally tried your technique for cooking rice. Oh, I- praise your name, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> boiled up. I had this craving to make stuffed peppers, which oh, is weird because wow. I never have that craving. Sure. But that's, that's old school. I know. I know. My husband looked at me like, where did this come from? <laughs> You're turning into your grandmother. <laughs> so I cooked the rice in a big pot of water. And then I just, I already had like a pan with the like meat. I, had, mm-hmm. I did a mix of ground beef and sausage and the aromatics. So I just put the rice right into that Into that. Pan. You didn't have to add butter or anything. Yeah, right? yeah. And it, it was really good. It actually, I pulled it out just a little bit short of fully cooked, which is good much idea. harder to do when you're doing the traditional steaming method. Yeah. And that way the rice finished cooking in the sauce. And absorb some of that yeah. sauce. So it really was good. I'm going to do it again. Isn't David? it amazing? Thank you. It's such an easy <laughs> technique. I mean, God, that was at the International Culinary Institute. Institute of Culinary Education, I think. That one too. When it was called <laughs> Peter Kump, that's when I learned that technique. And how about you, Adam? How was your food fortnight with the kids and your wife? 
Pretty good. We made a trip out to Buffalo, New York last weekend mm-hmm. for uh, my daughter's gymnastics states competition. Wait, don't you live in Buffalo? No, Albany. No, I've never lived in Buffalo. My wife went to school out oh, there. Oh, Buffalo, Buffalo. Never mind. Oh, 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 oh. Where do you live? I live in Albany. Right. Okay. Sorry. Buffalo. Yeah. 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 Nice to meet you, David. My name's Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we're meeting each other for the first time. It's, it's lovely to meet you too, Adam. <laughs> but yeah, so in Buffalo, we had one of their regional favorites. And no, it's not that regional mm-hmm. favorite, not the Buffalo Wings, although I really, really wanted to go to Anchor and have the original Buffalo Wings. Sure. Wing. I lost that vote. But we had, it's called a chicken finger sub. Oh. Ooh. Did you know that's a Buffalo? Never heard it. You know, you heard it here first thing. Yeah. Yeah. I went to school in Rochester, New York, but I never heard that. My wife went to school out that way, and it was always a really big deal. Wow. Good lunch. So is it kind of like a chicken parm sub, but different? So it's fried breaded chicken tenders. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tossed in buffalo wing sauce. Oh, oh, nice. And then there's some blue cheese on top and like lettuce and tomato, and it's on like a toasted bun. Toasted roll. Wow. wow. This is, this is, I'd never heard of this. I want to try this. It was very, very good. I'd never had them. I never really got the, the thing about it, but they were very, very good. Mm-hmm. I, now, where did you get this? Because every time we ask about food fortnights, you always talk about a restaurant you've gone to. So what restaurant was this? So I got the chicken finger sub at mm-hmm. Jim's Steakout. Okay. Now, maybe people outside of Buffalo don't know, but you can imagine there's another place called John's Pizza and Subs. And John's Pizza and Subs and Jim's Steakout are both (laughs) fighting over who made the original Buffalo Chicken Finger Sub. Interesting. For us, it really came down to Jim's was down the road a mile away and John's was 20 minutes away. So Too far. That's like the Pats and Gino thing in Philadelphia with the Philly cheesesteak, where either you're a Pats person or you're a Gino's person, and it's the rivalry's been going on for generations. But that's interesting. It's interesting. Can I share a very quick, funny Buffalo Wings story? Of course you may. So I went to high school with a very lovely but incredibly gullible and sort of spacey young lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somehow Buffalo Wings came up over the lunch table. I don't know if they were serving them. As it does usually at lunch tables. As it does. And um, she said, well, I mean, what are Buffalo Wings anyway? No, no, no. And of no, course, no. you no. can see the light, the like <laughs> eyes lighting up around the table. So I was like, well, you know, Buffalo used to have wings. Like they, um, oh God. they, you know, when they lived on the prairie, they would fly across the prairie. Um, oh, but over time, too cruel. over time, they, you know, they lost them like through evolution, but baby buffalo are born with the wings and they fall off, you know, like really early on. And so they just take the wings and they, and they toss them and, you know, she was like, wow. How old were you? I we were probably about 16 or 17. Oh, okay. oh my God, my face is hurting. Oh, that's yeah, hysterical. That was a good one. <laughs> Oh, David, do we have any mail this week? We do. Ethel Merman is going to introduce it. It's mailbag time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Fred wants to know. I don't know why I did that. Fred wants to know, how do you guys get together every week to record? I know Amy's in Massachusetts and David, you're in Connecticut. So I Mm. thought you couldn't answer this. And he says he loves the show, loves it and listens to it every week. I actually have the same question about wait, wait, don't tell me, you know, because mm. are they all like going out to 
Chicago every weekend? Uh, anyway. I don't know. Um, so we actually record in a virtual studio. So I'm in Massachusetts. Uh, in, in your my, home. In my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam's in a studio in Buffalo. In Buffalo. Oh, my Buffalo. God, I did it. I did it. <laughs> Amy, I'd like you to meet Adam. Adam, I'd like you to meet Amy. Hi, Amy. It's nice to meet you. I'm here for the first time. <laughs> We've only been working with it for more than a year. Okay. David, you planted up. Um, Adam, Adam's in Albany. <laughs> David's at home in Connecticut. Yeah, so we exactly. can see each other and yeah. Yeah, we have a video set up that we can see each other and it's live with each other and we have a rollicking good time, Fred. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of the week. And now for food news. With your hosts, Amy Traverso and David Leet. Okay, so we're recording this right after the coronation yes. of King Charles. Two days or three days after. <laughs> yeah, what mm. a, I don't know. I'm what just, was the for? I just feel like Queen Elizabeth was an historical figure who mm-hmm. walked among us. Mm. Now we just have a dysfunctional family, you know? It just, I'm not inspired at all. And Adam, our friend who lives in London, I hope I'm not offending you. I, well, dysfunctional um, families have to eat, so. Right. <laughs> I'm sure there's and a with, food thing in here somewhere. With every coronation, there's like an official coronation recipe. And of course, when Queen Elizabeth was crowned, it was the coronation chicken, which is right. basically a curry chicken salad. It's in the lexicon, both here and, and there. So what King Charles and Queen Camilla chose was a coronation quiche, which raised some eyebrows because people expected a, you know, British recipe. Mm -hmm. This quiche is vegetarian and it has a crisp pastry case with delicate spinach, broad beans, and tarragon. David, how does that sound to you? Darling, that sounds very uninspired. (laughs) I, I don't think I'd ever cook that in my kitchen. I appreciate using beans as the protein source um, mm-hmm. to make it vegetarian. And I know that, you know, obviously King Charles is very involved in environmental issues. But my favorite reply to this, because I, I just didn't sound appetizing to me. My favorite reply came from the French. And this is from the Telegraph. <laughs> the French. <laughs> what did they say? They, they interviewed some people from the Brotherhood of the Quiche Lorraine, uh, which is a real thing <laughs> the in France. The Brotherhood of the Quiche Lorraine. Really? The Quiche Lorraine. And they wow. have a grandmaster named Eveline Muller d'Ervaux. She said she would call the chosen dish a savory tart rather than Ooh. taking the name of the French-inspired recipe, which really burn. felt like us. Yeah, burn across the channel. And wow. then they interviewed another member of the Brotherhood, but they're both women, which is very funny. So it's Laurent Miltgen Delinchamp. Mm-hmm. And she oui, told oui. the Times, I think it would have anyway better reflected the British spirit if they had called it a tart. So they <laughs> seem to be... They just don't want the British using quiche. And um, it just seemed like the most perfect little dust up between France and England ever. I just think you would have something more celebratory. I I don't know. Well, that is what Miss Milchamp Delichamp said later. She said, I was surprised when I found out. I said to myself, this is a banal, common, popular (laughs) dish. And to think that it is being served at a coronation. (laughs) <laughs> banal, tout ça, très banal. Wow, they, that is a burn. That is a sick, sick burn. Sick burn. Woo! Wow, well, happy coronation, <laughs> King Charles and Queen Camilla. 
Happy coronation. <laughs> David, how about you? What's new? Well, this, you know, this is falling into one of those weird food combination things. And I just, I mean, I can't wait for Adam to hear this. Okay. It is Velveeta truffles. Hmm. Now this comes from food and wine, which we actually mine a lot because they have great they have food great news. great food news, yeah. So Velveeta has teamed with the Los Angeles-based chocolatier Comparté. So again, another French thing going on here. Um, to create the Truffelle, a shell-shaped confection. So it is white chocolate that's been paired with the creamy deliciousness of the Velveeta. And so it's the white chocolate on the outside. They do look like pretty little conch shells. And then inside is apparently very cheesy, very salty Velveeta. And mm. there are five mm. of them, and it's about 25 bucks. And you get a box, and each one is five, five bucks dollars. for a little truffelle. So, Adam, how does that strike you? Thumbs up or thumbs down on that? I'm going to go thumbs up. Really? Wow. Yeah. Really? I love truffles. That's probably my favorite candy. Mm-hmm. And you love uh, Velveeta. Well, I don't know. It's cheese, cheese, sort of. It's cheese. <laughs> no, it's a cheese it's product. Orange, it's orange it's a cheese, cheese flavor. It's a dairy product. product. Dairy, yeah. But but I do like the chocolate and salt combination, mm-hmm. and I could imagine okay. a scenario where I didn't hate it to the point of a thumbs down. So I'm going to go thumbs up. I'll go optimistic Ooh. here. Wow, definitely try very good, Amy. You thumbs up, thumbs down. Hard thumbs down because. If I'm going to pay $25 for five truffles, could it at least be like a really nice Vermont cheddar and not Velveeta? Wow. Now, that's interesting. Maybe like a white cheddar. That yeah. could be fascinating. Because I've had chocolate with cheese. You know, like yeah. y- y- you might do like a cheese board and put something chocolatey on there. It's right. really nice. So I'm yeah. not, not against chocolate with cheese, but Velveeta. Well, but you know, I, I have to say, my favorite category of food news, though, David, is when some kind of boring brand tries to tries to achieve relevance by doing right? some kind of stunt like this. It's yeah. my favorite. We've had a lot of them on the show. You know, know, a little secret here: the one adores Velveeta. Mm. He buys those big, long, big ass boxes. <laughs> he loves it. He makes grilled cheese with them, and he absolutely loves Velveeta. Loves it. We keep him in business, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you should buy him a box for next Valentine. Well, actually, hey, you should you buy know, it now because I bet it's not a That's a good idea. A permanent Ooh, thing. Then I can try one. And then I'll come back on the show and tell you what I think. Oh, yay. Okay. Maybe I'll send some to Adam, too. That's a nice <laughs> idea. Over there in Buffalo. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> David, temperatures are warming up and my mm-hmm. grill is starting to call to me. Come to me, bend to me, Amy, come to me. <laughs> what is that's from something? Come to me, bend to me. Some I musical. don't know that one. Well, I want to be honest here, mm-hmm. David. Do you cook with gas or charcoal? We are now gas. We were charcoal for a very long time. When the one and I got together 30 years ago in the Pleistocene era, we only had a small charcoal grill. And right. we burned everything happily, but we were so happily in love, we didn't care. You know, we we're getting all these carcinogens and we were just so in love, we didn't care. But then when we moved here to Connecticut, we got a gas grill. And mm-hmm. so I have not gone back to charcoal. I really think I would like to try charcoal again. What about mm-hmm. you? Are you gas or charcoal? I'm exactly like you. I started out with charcoal. Every chef I've ever written about uh, in a grilling story 
insists on charcoal. charcoal. I've yeah. stood over many Weber grills with many really great chefs. Mm. And of course, when I got my first grill, it was had to be charcoal. And I was, I was that person. But a few years ago, I was like, you know, I just want to grill on a weeknight and not have to like think about lighting the coals and yeah. waiting 30 yeah, minutes. I and I know chefs will say it's not that much more time to wait for the, but it is. I'm sorry. It is. It is. It is. What about you, Adam? Are you gas or charcoal? Well, I had a propane and it kicked the bucket. And mm. I think I'm going to build actually a fire pit this summer. That's kind of like <gasps> my, because I've become obsessed and I will say obsessed with TikToks cooking food over campfires. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, there's that one guy who's really great. Have you seen him with the quick chopping? He's really fantastic. There's something very soothing to me about seeing all that. And I yeah. love campfires. So I think that's probably where I'm going to go. I think I'll put the money there. Very, very funny. Fun. Well, you know, I have an interesting story about gas grills. We had a very small one before I got our big Weber. We have a, a again, this is not sponsored by them, but it's a, you can sponsor us though, Weber, if you're hearing this. <laughs> we have a Weber Summit, one of those big ones. And so we had a small little rinky dink one that we got at like the Home Depot or something. And I was inside, I was working. And it was about this time of year, about April, May. And I heard the neighbor girl scream so loud. And so I ran out and there was Alan screaming at the top of his lungs in the highest pitch you can imagine. And then he was pointing toward the grill and he was screaming, incinerate it, incinerate it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he, he couldn't even talk. And so I opened the lid and there was this little mouse family Aww. in the grill and he wanted me to incinerate it. And I'm like, I'm not incinerating it. So I took it very gently and I wheeled it to the back of our yard all the way near the wall. And that, we call it our mice condo. And it's been there for, I don't know, maybe like 10 years. And there's always mice families in there. And every winter, I always make sure that once a week, I feed them all this little seed so they oh can take God. care of themselves. I just, you know, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't kill them. I can't incinerate those poor little miceys. No, no, no. I, I don't know. I have a thing for, there's this whole, Adam, you, you'll you know this. There's this whole like category of children's books that are about little mouse families who live in like a little mouse house. Oh my God, yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's our, our, our mice. Um, that's your, And we think yeah. that they, there was one time there was a gay mouse family because it was this incredible nest that was just going <laughs> everywhere and just fabulous looking. We were sure it was gay mice. <laughs> David, you should write a children's book about the mice, but <laughs> you have to, yeah. If you wanted to sell all over the country, don't say gay. Right? Don't say gay, right? Uh, okay. All right. Um, two well, uncles, two uncles who were mice. Uncles. Okay. <laughs> uh, we laugh because otherwise we'd cry. Yes. Um, so, if we're going to talk about grilling, actually, which we are, mm -hmm. let's just start with like the very basic grilling primer because Great I idea. think it's an intimidating subject for many. Okay. It is. Adam, are you intimidated by grilling? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, of course not, because he's a manly man. He's got a lot well, of look, testosterone. Well, look, in Buffalo, they do a lot of grilling, and, you know, you kind of grow up with yeah, that tradition. Exactly. So. <laughs> so with the feet and feet of snow, yeah, keep warm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's just start with the basics, because people yeah. talk about grilling, and they talk about barbecuing. Mm -hmm. Now, the kind of technical official definition. Now, grilling is a way of cooking smaller cuts of meat, such mm -hmm. as burgers or chicken thighs, right. or even vegetables or fruit or pizza, quickly and directly over high heat. Right, exactly. Barbecue is the lowest and slow approach for like larger cuts of meat like pork shoulders and briskets. So with barbecue, you're turning tough cuts tender through mm -hmm. long applications of time and heat and you're breaking down those tissues and rendering the fat. Right. And yeah. just want to interject here that 
you do not call the thing in your backyard the barbecue. It is a grill. It's not the barbecue. And that might be regional. I'm not sure. You think? You really? Because people yeah. say, oh, we're going to put it on the barbecue. And I'm like, no, barbecue is not a noun for an object. It's something. What about the Aussies? Right. Put the shrimp on the bobby. But it's in the bobby. But the thing is, they're in a different hemisphere, so that's okay. Different rules. They're in the upside down, <laughs> so that, 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 they're okay. <laughs> so if you're grilling, it's, you're talking about something that's already tender and doesn't need a lot of time. But right. there are two types of grilling. Mm-hmm. And David, you want to talk about that? Sure. The two types are direct grilling and indirect. So direct grilling means that you spread an even layer of charcoal in your grill, or if you're turning on your gas burners, you can turn them all on. And you do this on a very high heat for burgers and the boneless chicken thighs. For bone and thighs, it's the same technique, but they can take a little bit longer. So you're going to want to do that at a bit of a lower temperature or the same thing if you're doing like beer can chicken, you want to do that at a lower temperature, but that's not direct heat. That is a two zone or even an indirect, right, Amy? Yeah, so tender little things like a burger, you're going to do high heat direct, right? Exactly. And then tender little things that might take a little longer like a bone in chicken thigh, that's direct heat, but you're going to turn it down a little so it doesn't burn before the middle is cooked. Right, so high heat, then high heat, but a little lower. Okay. And then you have the two-zone grilling or indirect heat, which is you're going to have a hot area of your grill and then a cooler area. Right. So with charcoal, you're going to put the coals on one side of the grill. And then on a gas grill, you're just going to turn on half the grill. And you want to have a cooler area, which is where the meat goes. Right. So this method that Amy's talking about, which is the two-zone or the direct and the indirect, this is great for slow cooking, like for ribs, and you put the food over on the cooler side. So when I'm doing ribs, let's say, I'll put them on the cooler side, and I have the hotter side heating up the grill, but we're not getting direct heat underneath. And that's so it doesn't burn. Exactly. And then the bigger the piece of meat the lower the temperature and the longer the cooking time because, of course, you don't have heat underneath it, but that protects it from burning. Okay, so that was a real lot. So let's just go over it really quickly. There is direct, which is heat across the entire grill. Then you have two-zone grilling, which is half of the grill is direct or there's heat on it, half is not. And, of course, when there's larger pieces or pieces with bone, you want to use a lower temperature and go longer. That's a lot of information, right? Yeah. The reason we're doing this is because once you understand those principles, you can kind of understand immediately what you're going to be doing with your meat. So you have a bone-in chicken thigh and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do direct heat because it's a pretty small piece of meat. Mm -hmm. But that bone, I need to turn the temp down a little bit so it doesn't burn. Right. And then I've got a big pork butt. I'm going to put that on the cold side of the grill and go for hours. Right. With all that in mind, though, we still love recipes. So, David, what are some of your favorite grilling recipes? Well, there are a lot. And I also want to say too, I just, you know, this is confessional podcasting. I screw up a lot when it comes to grilling. I mean, Adam's there. And of course, he doesn't screw up at all. He's so good. He's going to build a fire pit, but I mess up a lot. I burn things often, or I have notoriously undercooked things, which is I did both at the same meal. I overcooked the ribs and I undercooked the chicken. That was a disaster. <laughs> and that was for editors. That was for book editors. I was oh, so embarrassed. God. Thank God one of them was my dear friend, Kate Morgan Jackson, uh, who has a website, Framed Cooks, and she was so kind. The other editor, <laughs> I haven't talked to her in a long time. Um, <laughs> so, so some of my absolute favorites we make every year, we have a grilled steak 
with coffee rub. And that is just so amazing. And it cooks quickly because it's a boneless steak. Then the one loves salmon. So he makes this every summer once or twice and it's cedar plank grilled salmon. Mm. And of course you soak the cedar plank for quite a long time to get it really moist so it doesn't really burn horribly. But you put the the salmon filet on top and there's some seasonings on it. But what I love about it is you do it over direct heat and it does start to char the edges of the cedar plank. So that smokes the cedar somewhat and yet it keeps it wonderful. And what's nice is, now a lot of people like, do you like a fish skin when you grill it? Some I do. Some people love it. I'm, I, I'm okay about it, but this, it kind of sticks to the cedar plank. So when you pull it off, it's not there. And, but you have that nice smoky flavor and I love it. So those are like two of the ones that we make every year, of course, in addition to hamburgers and hot dogs and grilled chicken breast and things like that. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Sounds so good. Well, one recipe I wanted to toss out because it's just unusual up here, at least. Um, it's slow grilled chicken thighs. So these are bone in chicken thighs with mm -hmm. Alabama white sauce, which is a Alabama white so sauce. Good. It's yes. like a mayonnaise and mm. vinegar and lemon and hot sauce kind of barbecue finisher. It's not mm -hmm. quite a barbecue sauce, but it's a finishing sauce. And you just salt, pepper the chicken thighs. You know, you're cooking them on direct heat a little bit longer than a boneless chicken thigh, and you're doing it at a slightly lower temperature. And they just come out really beautifully. And that sauce is just a nice surprise. Another one I love to do is a grilled flank steak. This is one I like to do kind of later in the summer. I like to grill the flank steak and make a chimichurri sauce, but grill it also with sliced butternut squash. Oh, so nice. again, a little early in the season for that, but I didn't know if you could make squash really well on a grill, and it turns out you can, and that's kind of for that nice like transitional season between summer and fall. Yeah. Another one that I love, and this is a recipe I learned back in the days when I did Weight Watchers. These are these flatbreads, and there's two ingredients. You take yogurt, equal uh -huh. parts, yogurt and self-rising flour. And you oh. mix them together and it makes a dough and then you can roll it out into a flatbread and grill it. And I have a recipe where I did a nice like tomato sauce on that, like a mm -hmm. sort of charred tomatoes with some a yogurt and garlic and basil and mint. Ooh. It's just a really nice weeknight meal. Very simple. Vegetarian, happens to be vegetarian, better than the coronation quiche. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's great. You mean it's not the banal? It's not the it's banal. It's not banal. And we're going to just post these recipe links on the platforms where you get your podcasts. Adam, what is your specialty or specialties? Probably my family's favorite is, it's like the meal that feels like summer for me, is mm. really, really simple. It's just chicken breasts on the grill, mm -hmm. but we marinate them and I'll take some olive oil in a Ziploc bag, salt and pepper, and then a bunch of fresh lime juice. Oh, nice. So I'll marinate them for maybe an hour if I'm actually prepared, which is rare, maybe longer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that with some avocado grilled, usually some asparagus grilled or maybe some zucchini spears. And like I'll chunk up some potatoes and put that on there too. But that citrus mm. and that grilled chicken combination. Yeah. Now something about that just says summer to us mm. and we really like it. Nice. Excellent. David, I just want to circle back really quickly. You mentioned, you asked me if I liked, you know, the fish skin. Mm -hmm. When I worked at Sunset Magazine out in California, we did a ton of grilling and we came up with this great technique for cooking salmon or other kind of oily fish on the mm -hmm. grill. 
right. where you get that nice crisp skin. And you put it on a piece of heavy-duty aluminum foil that you've punched holes in. So that oh. allows, it kind of prevents the fish from sticking to the grill, mm -hmm. but it allows the fat to render out through the holes and it wow. gives you that beautiful bacony crisp skin. So that's just a really nice technique. Right, so it's it's kind of chicharrones of salmon. Yeah, salmon yeah. chicharrones. <laughs> That's wonderful. I do like crispy skin, but on the cedar plank, you can't get that. It just yeah. ends up sliding right off. Yeah. All right. Well, how about let's move away from the grill. What about some others? Just your favorite summer recipes. Sure. There is a tomato tart that I love to make. It's a fresh tomato tart, so it's a little bit later in the season, and it's great to get. Green tomatoes, red tomatoes, purple tomatoes, yellow, anything you can get. But the crust is made with all kinds of herbs, rosemary, thyme, oregano, anything you can find. And then it's pulsed together with the flour. And then you make a crust. Then there's a base of goat cheese and mm. a little bit of cream and some herbs. And then you lay on, and you, of course, the crust is baked at this point. You put in the goat cheese and you put the tomato slices on top and you drizzle it with a basil pesto Ooh. and some nice flaky sea salt. It is so refreshing. It's a great lunch dish if you're having people over for luncheon, which mm -hmm. is very nice, or it's a good starter. And then there is a an old family recipe. Alan has been making, my God, for 30 years. And, and whenever it's for potato salad and anytime Ooh. people ask for the recipe, he says, I can't give it to you. Really, it's just an old family recipe. And he kept this ruse up for about 25 years until someone finally said, is this the Hellman's jar recipe? <laughs> he said, I told you it was an old family recipe. I just didn't say it was my family's recipe. He made it at least two or three times so far this year. And honestly, it is to me the quintessential warm weather potato salad. Nothing mm. to me matches it. And there's a dessert to me that is very summery and it's a blueberry lemon layer cake. Ooh. And so it's a beautiful yellow cake, but it has blueberries in it. And then there is a frosting that's a cream cheese frosting that's loaded with lemon zest and it's mm. three layers tall and it is just marvelous and so summery. And a lot of my friends ask for it for their birthday cake. Mm. So those are three things. What about me? What about me? Let's talk about me, please. <laughs> Let's talk about me. <laughs> really, it's all about me. Me, myself, and I. Uh, <laughs> what about you? Any other ideas that are non-grilling for the summer? Yeah, you know, I love a tomato and stone fruit salad so oh, much. yes, yes. I love tomato also with watermelon, but I did a salad for Yankee Magazine last year, mm -hmm. which is nectarines, tomatoes, feta, pistachios. Mm -hmm. It's so colorful, so oh, beautiful, so, so delicious. Great. It's just great. And basil, parsley, you know, balsamic kind of drizzle, so good. So Very I nice. love that one. I'll be definitely making that. On really hot days, I love to make this drink called a watermelon cucumber cooler. And you can, oh. what I like about it is you can serve it with without alcohol, but also you can just add some vodka or tequila to it. Mm -hmm. And it makes a really nice cocktail. So just watermelon, water, granulated sugar, lime juice, mint leaves, and cucumber. So it's all the cooling things you can think of in one drink. Sure, that's lovely. 
So if you're having party, you could do like a big batch and mm-hmm. put the tequila or the vodka on the side mm-hmm. and people can kind of mix. You could also put a little, you know, seltzer water on the side and make it fizzy. So it's really adaptable and good for parties. So highly recommend that. You just make it in the blender. Excellent. And then my last one is, you know, we just all love to bake with blueberries in the Absolutely. summer. So I did these again for Yankee. I did these easy blueberry pecan crumble bars. Mm. Couldn't be easier. It's one of those recipes where you make a shortbread crust and then you use Use that crust as the crumble on top. Oh, nice. And then you just put a layer of like frozen blueberries mixed with a little cinnamon and sugar in mm-hmm. the middle. And they're just delicious. So easy, so fast. Everybody loves them. Do you cook with the main blueberries most of the time in the summer or regular blueberries? If I go blueberry picking, I like obviously to bake with the fresh, but I honestly mm. really do like to cook with frozen blueberries because the color is really beautiful when they've yeah, been frozen. Really? So, And I do tend to, out of loyalty, buy the main wild blueberries mm-hmm. at, when I'm at the supermarket. But otherwise, I'll use fresh if, I've, you know, if I have a nice batch of them. This is the first time I used frozen main blueberries. And I have to tell you, I think I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. For baked stuff. It's really nice. You know, it was very good. Yeah. It really is. Oh, it's fun. I'm excited. David, what are you most looking forward to about summer? You know, this is one of those summers that I really am looking forward to because normally I'm one of those people who summer's great. I love summer. I don't want to be out in the sun. I don't want to be out in the heat. So I'll stay here and look at it. But now I really want to be out there. So the idea of just having friends and friends and so many friends over for Mm. dinner and being in the pool and being on the patio and eating out of doors is, is, you know, normally I'm like, "Ah, can we eat inside, please? I just want to be out of doors. And then one of the things, we have this very, very large maple tree that overhangs our patio. Mm -hmm. And I'm buying 20 or more these lanterns, these solar lanterns, and I'm going to hang them in the tree. Just sort of this beautiful, I just want there to be the sense of an outdoor room, that there's another yeah. room to the house. And nice. uh, so that's, I'm looking forward to that. What about you? What do you love so much about summer? Well, this summer, I'm doing some crazy amount of travel that I'm so excited you are. about. Italy and then yeah. England? Yeah, this is like a once in a lifetime situation. But my cousins and I are going to Italy and we're going to be visiting the villages where our grandparents came from. Hopefully this will not be a scene out of White Lotus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to stay near Portofino, which is so mm-hmm. beautiful. And yeah. we're these are like second cousins, people I've always really liked, but have never had a chance to really spend time with. So um, it's going to be, I hopefully a really wonderful family experience, a little connecting with our roots. And yeah, and then we're going to go to back to England and visit our friend Adam. And, you know, we're going to Cornwall this time and we're going to go to the Cotswolds again. Oh, give Adam my love. I've got to see him when he comes back to America. Adam, do you have any, our Adam here, producer Adam, anything, what do you love about the summer? The ocean. Beaches, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, not living near an ocean. There's something about when you get there that's just so refreshing. The sea air and then the food. Mm. I love mm. the French fries on the beach with the vinegar. Oh. You ever do that? Oh, yeah, the so boardwalk nice. fries. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the best. Oh, but you know, in, in Buffalo, you guys have the big lake, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, which lake? He's going to roll this. <laughs> it just, exactly. And, and what lake is that? That's Lake, what, Buffalo? It'd be Lake Erie. Lake Erie. Yeah. There's okay. also like a smaller <laughs> body of water that falls. What do they call it? It's near Niagara. Uh, oh, matter. yeah, yeah. The little fountain, Niagara Fall things. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's that too. <laughs> oh, Adam, I'll probably be up your way because my sister lives, you know, near Lake George. So I'll, uh, right. I'll let you know if I'm going to yes. be up near you. Yeah. That's always a good spot too. Yeah. 
Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Over at Studios, and our producer is the sizzling hot Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam and Over at Studios at overatstudios.com. And remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcast. And we have a new feature. If you like what you hear, and we really hope you do, you can support us just like you support public media. You can find a link on our show page on your favorite podcast platform. Click to support. Even a dollar will help. Ciao. Bye, David. Are you going to be able to edit that out out of me screwing up, or you want to keep the screw up in there? Uh, which screw up, David? <laughs> <laughs> like, really, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay.